Uh-oh. There I you don't go. Have... That should oh, be better. There you go. That should be better. Hey, good morning. Good morning, man. Good to see you. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Oh, no problem. Uh, Jay, uh, where are you sitting? I'm standing. So where are you standing? In a studio. I don't know. I have my own office in the back of my garage. I see a skateboard, and I see a kite, and I see a drafting table. That's correct. The skateboard is Rodney's skateboard, though. I don't ride. Ah. That's that's my backing. <clears throat> um, I met you at Greg Glassman's house uh, probably over a year ago now, right? Um, yeah, I think so, at the first one in, in California. Yeah. And, and, and how did you meet Greg? Um, through the same skateboarder. Um, so Rodney and I became friends in 2021, I believe. And uh, at some moment, Rodney said he wanted to introduce me to Greg, but I didn't have any idea about the Broken Science Initiative or anything like that. Um, he just said that that he thought Greg and I needed to be connected. And then um, the next year he came back or like six months later, he came back to Pittsburgh again. Um, the kind of short story is that his significant other is involved in making of Hollywood movies. And so for two separate occasions during the pandemic, Rodney was happened to be in Pittsburgh um, with her with nothing to do but skateboard. And so he reached out to me because he had seen my podcast and we became, I mean, as you can imagine, because of how, how much of an interesting and smart guy he is, uh, we became friends really uh, quite easily. And, uh, and it was the second movie when they were in Pittsburgh. Um, so the, it would have been 2022, I guess. Um, but maybe late 2021. I don't remember when that was anymore. Um, I think it was 2022. But uh, then we, we came out to California together. Um, Rodney actually told Greg that he would come if he could bring me as his plus one instead of of, of his significant other. Instead I'm just being here plus one. Say her name. I don't know if, if he, he likes to say her hey, name. Hey, totally, totally fine. And um, so how you popped on my radar is uh, one day I get a text from Greg and he's like, hey, you got to check out this video. And it was one of your bike riding videos. And okay. then I went over to his house and there were like 20 of us uh, sitting around and um, he, he pulled it up on his big 90 inch and it's you riding your bike, um, giving one of your lectures. And it, that was one of your lectures, I, I guess. Can you tell me the sort of the premise of your of your bike riding um, lectures, your, your bike Absolutely. riding symposiums? Yeah. Um, and, and so when you say Rodney, you're talking about Rodney Mullen, the greatest I'm skateboarder. I'm talking about Rodney right? Mullen, yeah, the, the skateboarder. Yep. So he saw you on a podcast. He was in Pittsburgh uh, with his wife. She was working, and he knew you lived there, so he reached out to you. It's, even, more, it's, even, more, it's even more hilarious than that, tell uh, me. Ron, because um, he had been financially supporting my channel for more than six months. And the way that he approached me by email um, was strange because he has number one, a very strange email. It's not like it's Rodney Mullen at, at world skateboarding industries.com. <laughs> right. It's, it's something like uh count chocula 480 or something like this. Okay. So we get this email and he says, my name is Rodney. I'm one of your supporters. And I happen to be in Pittsburgh this month. And it would just be really great if, 
I could take you out for coffee and we could meet. Me having his last name and not being an investigative reporter of any kind and not being a skateboarder, I really didn't bother to Google his name because I assumed he was just a, a dude. Right. So, um, fast forward three weeks and he keeps kind of pinging me every once in a while at a really weird time like 11 in the morning or 12 in the afternoon, one in the afternoon, I get an email saying maybe tomorrow. And so I would reply. And then because of the way Rodney works, which I didn't know then, but he's a complete night owl. Uh -huh. And so he gets up at like sometime in the afternoon, he stays up all night until early morning and goes to bed when it's dark. So the way that he was responding to emails was also really awkward. And I couldn't understand it really felt like, who is this guy? Like, why is he, does he really want to meet? So finally I said, I'll meet you at this coffee shop. And it was like, he had three days left in Pittsburgh and I didn't Google him. My wife didn't Google him. We showed up at a, at a coffee shop and this guy gets out of an Uber and he's got a, a cap on and you know, he walks really funny on the flat ground and he's, yep. he's an angel on a skateboard. And so he walks over and he shakes my hand. I don't know who this guy is. I said to my wife in the car, you go get coffee with him. I trust you better than myself. You feel him out. I'll go get a table with Freddie, our daughter. And so she waited in line with him and was talking. And at some moment, I could see them laughing yeah. and at me. And then he came over to the table and he sat down. So you don't know who I am, do you? And I said, I have no clue who you are. I said, what's your last name again? I'll Google you. And of course, as I'm filling in his name, Google fills in net worth before I'm done. And it's just it's just been a really funny friendship since. Right. Because, you know, if you if you don't know anything about skateboarding and then the the kind of consensus godfather of all of the tricks that I mean, he's a, he's a savant he, he's, a, yeah. he's on a whole nother planet within the rest he of us up and he says yeah i wanted to come and and tell you that i've been supporting your stream and then it got very serious very quick i have to tell you because um he has been you know a part of these very elite um I don't, you're probably aware he gives TED Talks. A lot of times he opens these Foo conferences and these other conferences he skateboards in and he talks about learning and, and the flow state and these things that a lot of these a lot of these high-level transhumanist people are all, all interested in achieving for themselves with a pill or with a, with a shortcut. And so I think they've used him for a while um, to kind of open these conferences with a real positive energy and give it a real, you know, legit vibe. And he's, he's, he's amazing at that stuff. And because he can express the expressible when it comes to skill and learning, um, he's really has a unique perspective because of how much pain and suffering he went through to achieve the level of mastery that he has. So anyway, um, that that's how I met him. And then it was at some point where, where we got together and, and he realized that I really needed to connect with Greg because of this broken science initiative. I can't remember why I was talking now. It was, I was asking about your relationship with Rodney and then, oh, yeah. and then, and then tell me about, and then tell me about first, let me ask you, I want to go to the bike video one second, but you used a term just there called transhumanist. What does that mean? What's transhumanist mean? 
Um, yeah, it was the bike ride you asked me about. So in my definition and a lot of people's definition of transhumanist uh, or humanism, that it's a pretty broad term which describes um, the, the purposeful human augmentation of life and specifically human life. So it's very different than CrossFit or nutrition science where you take your yourself as a pattern integrity that what you put into it comes out of it and what goes through it. And it's a, it's a, it's a very important thing to understand our bodies as a pattern integrity. It's, it's like if you, the best mundane example is that if you have three different kinds of rope and you tie them all together, like, like, um, what is the right word? Now I'm losing my weave. Weave. Yeah, weave, weave them together so that you have like nylon to a wool rope to a steel cable. And if you tie a knot in that and then move the knot down from the nylon to the wool to the steel cable, that's essentially what we are. We are the knot. We are not the nylon. We are not the, that's a pattern integrity. And so when you think about the exercises that you do and the food that you eat, they are passing through that pattern integrity and the pattern integrity changes depending on what comes in and how it is affected and, 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 and touched. And so if you think about your body like that, um, it becomes really a wholly different, you know, sort of discussion with regard to um, almost everything that that biology is. And I, I guess I've been there for a very, very long time thinking about animals that way. I used to want to be a vet. Um, it's very early in the morning. Where uh, are you? What, what state are you in? I'm in, um, I'm in New York, uh, Pittsburgh and I'm in okay. Pennsylvania. But what I was going to say was I've been up since very early because I had a lot of work to do before this. So I'm a little spacey yet because I've been reading all morning and I don't read well in the morning, but Bobby's book is almost done. And we're getting some comments back from some of the constructive readers. And so we've got to push it through really quick. So I tried to get up early and do some of that. So if you can cue me up to what I was. This oh, yeah. is the, Jay, let me tell you this real quick. This is the right. funnest and easiest podcast ever. So don't even worry. Like I should call it the ADHD the bike ride, podcast. Bro. Okay. But, but before you go to the bike ride, don't worry. I'm not going to forget the bike ride. This, I want to ask you about transhumanist real quick uh, more, a little more. Is an artificial heart make you a transhumanist? If I get an artificial heart, no, because no. Well, yes and no. So think of it this way: Are you getting an artificial heart because you you will die, or your 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 basic physiology is compromised because your heart is damaged? That's not transhumanism. If you, as a crossfitting man, have reached the maximum physical potential that you can reach with your heart, and you decide that you need to have a magnesium and titanium heart that can pump harder and longer. So mm -hmm. that you can do even more CrossFit and even more pull-ups, that's transhuman. Okay. What about so I've driven my boys to the skate park 150 times in Sunnyvale, California. It's uh, 47 minutes away. Every time I go, I punch it into the map. My sons have finally asked me, Hey, why do you do that? We've been here a hundred times. You haven't figured out how to get here. They're six and eight, they know. But I'm so busy on the phone with Jay Cooey the whole time I'm driving there. I'm not even paying attention, and I'm letting this thing tell me what to do. Now, it's not inside of me. Is that transhumanism? Um, it's a piece of my brain outside of me. 
right? Or something I'm relying on to make me so I can, because I, now I can talk to you and then this thing can kind of tell me where to navigate on the surface of the earth via these. It's not, it's not really that, that far off indeed, simply because think of it this way. It, would you have any respect for me if you and I were, and I'm standing here, you can't really see it, but you've met me before. You know that I'm really skin and bones. I have, I'm the opposite of a CrossFitter, um, which is another thing that makes it very ironic how I've come in to contact with all these amazing athletes and stuff. Um, it is really mind blowing. The, the way that you, that you sort of think about this stuff. Um, wow. Why am I always losing my train of thought this morning? I'm, I'm, uh, Maybe you need some testosterone. Maybe you need uh, some transhumanism replacement parts. What about yeah. TRT? So if you think about it like this, if, if, you and I were in a fitness competition and the way that I competed with you was to wear a biomechanical suit that didn't get in my way that I could move just as well. But when I picked stuff up, I was as strong as you. If I ran, I was as fast as you. Would you consider that? Well, what, what do you think the long-term consequences on my body would be? You I turn into remain, a gelatinous sack of shit. I would of remain that. this thin or I would become even thinner, right? Thinner. Thinner, so yeah. It's very much same as the phone. If you don't actively navigate the circuitry in your brain that usually would do that will atrophy. And you might not be in the same way that if I took that suit off and now decided, okay, I'm going to get my kettlebell out. Then suddenly I find, holy cow, this is really a heavy thing. Like, I think you're, you're hitting on something very important in fact that a lot of people have been sort of wow this is a really good point savan i'm so happy you're saying this because i've been saying for a long time it's an enchantment and you may have identified some very important part of this enchantment that transhumanism is over there in the future it's not here but it is already here if you think about how the phone is causing our brains to atrophy how the screens are causing our bodies to atrophy. Wow. That's a good one, man. Good. Well, really good. Good. I'm glad. good. That's the, that's the point of the show. I'm stoked. Okay. We're going to come back to the transhumanism in a second. Let's go to the bike thing now. Cause so now great. I kind of have a little bit of any. So the interesting thing that you said about the exoskeleton and stuff is this fictional character, by the way, Iron Man. He's kind of interesting because he is transhuman. But he needs that thing in order to live. I think he was going to die or something without that thing in his heart. So he's some sort of like – and the same with the $6 million man. He was in an accident, and they had to rebuild him. Yeah, exactly. So as long as you wreck somebody before you make them into a superhuman, it's ethically okay. <laughs> okay, so, so then Greg sees this video of you on a bicycle – and he's like, holy shit, you got to see this. And he starts spreading it around. And it, it's you uh, riding a bike uh, like an athletic superstar, like some Tour de France guy. Uh, but also giving fake, some really – Right, you know that. Say it again? It's completely fake. You know that, right? I have to have this <laughs> conversation with everybody all the time. And I know I've had it with you too. But I rode a uh, – what's called a – it's a German bike. It's a high bike. So it's not – you have to pedal – and the harder you pedal, the more you get assist. So you can get sweaty. You can work out really hard. But when you work out really hard, you go 25 or 30 miles an hour instead of 15. That's it. 
Oh, awesome. Okay. So I was able to get home. It's like a, it was like a nine and a half mile ride. And I got home in 25 minutes. That's flying. I mean, flying, but it's because if you grind, it has gears and everything, but it has this really unique Bosch motor that, that assists the pedal and the chain rather than turning the wheel. So there's no throttle. And What's the brand of the bike? What's the brand? High bike, H-A-I-B-I-K-E. They are amazing. And the cool thing about them, again, is that they have this sensor that can sense how hard you're pedaling. And so if you set it correctly, you just ride on a magic carpet, but it responds exactly like a bike. And the, the only drawback of a high bike is that if the battery dies, you can't ride it because the chain or the the gears don't, the pedals don't move freely if there's no power and you have to actually turn all the gears inside there and it's impossible to ride. So a lot of people think that that's a huge drawback, but in reality, uh, and no electric bike is fun to ride if it's not, if it's not running. And this one is just particularly impossible, but it's a, they're beautiful bikes. And the really nice thing about it is, is that they respond like, you would expect so the power comes and it goes depending on how hard you pump so you can pull a wheelie you can do all the things that you do on a regular bike with a ridiculous amount of power it's really neat and in, in the video i saw you were riding in the rain but, but just so people know also you're I had bike tires in pittsburgh too because again with an electric bike who cares so i had spike tires four seasons because then you don't slide on crosswalks oil nothing Awesome. Uh, and, and you're an immunologist and a biologist, and, and more specifically, you were uh, an instructor in neurobiology. I'm an, yeah, I'm a neurobiologist. I wouldn't call myself an, I wasn't an immunologist until after the pandemic. Okay. Uh, the amount of reading I've done now, I mean, I've, at least I've, I've earned a, a, a male in master's degree in immunology. <laughs> and, and, and you got your PhD in the Netherlands? I did. Yes. Um, in Amsterdam, actually at the free university. And then um, we got married, my wife and I, who you also met, and then we moved to Norway and we had two boys there. And while I was in Norway, I worked for Edward and Maber and Moser and, uh, and um, Menno Witter. The Mosers, that married couple, won the Nobel Prize in 2014, which should have really boosted my CV, and it definitely did. Um, and then we went back to the Netherlands because that's where my wife really wanted to raise our kids. And I wasn't able to get 10 years. So that was four years. And then we moved to Pittsburgh because it was still possible for me as an American to get to get a job over here. But in the Netherlands, I was pretty much done at that point, because um, if you don't get tenure as a foreigner and then you try to move around, it's very difficult in the Netherlands because it's so small. But there's lots of opportunities in the States. And we moved to Pittsburgh and I had a really nice I had a really nice lab with um, a guy who was a captain in the Navy um, and he had done very similar methodologies, but some of our skill sets overlapped in a way that made me a really good like first mate, if you will. Um, and so I was doing a lot of the the experiments and he was doing a lot of the writing. This is at the University of Pittsburgh? Yes, the University of Pittsburgh. And uh, we were doing really well. He got an R01 with the data that I made in the first year. 
uh, R01 is a is a basic NIH grant that every um, every tenure track professor needs to get. Um, and then uh, the pandemic started. And when the pandemic started, it's interesting because I had taught for a year at Carnegie Mellon. Uh, I did, or not a year, but a semester where I taught a, a non-majors neuroscience course. And that was really fun. And it reminded me, um, we haven't talked about it, but I was a high school teacher for a while before I, um, before I went into to did my PhD. And we can talk about that in a different time. But um, the point was... Uh, wow, I lost it again because I keep reading this list of stuff. Um, I have very... Why am I losing these things all the time? I'm well, we're just, we're just talking about your history. So, so you end up at the University of Pittsburgh, and then and then you. And oh then yeah, you I'm, yeah, I'm just yeah. I get yeah. lost sometimes when I'm thinking about Brian um, because I've just had to address it again. So, I had taught at Carnegie Mellon. And um, I really, it ignited me again because in the past I'd been a high school teacher. I love teaching. Um, and it just made me realize that, wow, I should really figure out a way to, to, to put this out there. And I realized that in these three years I had been biking with a small action camera on my chest because I would just wanted to record in case somebody ran over me. Right. Um, and I watched that video once just to see what it looked like. And I realized that I could hear myself perfectly swearing at the cars. Uh huh. And it dawned on me, wow, I should get a real GoPro and just make a YouTube channel. I wonder I could talk about the papers that I'm reading. It could be like a journal club on a bike. And when I said journal club on a bike out loud on my bike, I realized that my initials were J.C., and I was like, whoa, JC on a bike is the channel. So I rode home, I got on Amazon, I ordered an extra GoPro, and I tried to start talking about scientific papers on my bike to see how it go, how it went. And it it went really well. So I started posting them. Um, and so I had like 19 of those done when the pandemic started. And I found this blog and I read it and I realized that, wait, I was in Rotterdam when they were enriching avian flu. And I remember there was a whole poster session in the hallways about it. And I just skipped the seminar. And then on Monday they had another one and it was another guest of the same group. And I went to that seminar. I was thinking, wait, this blogger is talking about enriching avian flu He's talking about another virus coming out now that's a coronavirus. These are real. And I started reading all the papers that he had cited. And like, I guess it was two or three days later, I decided, you know, I'm going to make a bike ride and, and just talk about this. And I had read so many of those that I tried it once and it, it, I just decided to put it up like that, that, I didn't even ask the the blog guy. I actually just sent him the video and said, hey, I made a video of your blog. I don't know if you like it. And the guy, his blog got published in, um, is it Zero Hedge with, with Tyler Durden? Zero Hedge. And then that article he put in the header, my video. And so that YouTube video went from, I was getting like 200 views of a bike ride to getting like 15,000. Um, 
And then I got an email from the University of Pittsburgh's hospital corporate partner, which is called UPMC. Um, and UPMC's media company sent me an email saying, we've seen your YouTube channel. Virology is not your expertise. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Okay, question Okay. okay. I just kept making videos, and I never got another email from them. Um, and that was in really early. Like, that was in February already. And then they emailed me at the end of February and said, we see your YouTube channel. And then at some point, I got... Is that a threat? They're, they're threatening you? Uh, no, they just said that it's not my expertise. I don't think it was a threat. Um, and then I got quoted by the Washington Times. And it's really hilarious because I got quoted... Like they, they're quoting Tony Fauci and then they quote research assistant professor Jonathan Cooey from the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine is hilarious. And that that got somebody mad because the Pittsburgh Gazette contacted the University of Pittsburgh to get my contact information. And then the dean or somebody emailed me and said, they contacted us. You will not talk to them. It's not your expertise. Okay, so I got two emails with an okay question mark as the end. Um, and so I, I just kept doing YouTube, but I didn't, I didn't really poke the beehive too much more other than to really argue for natural immunity and question why they were dismissing natural immunity. And then they started talking about the, the new shot, and I could see from my own um, my own work in, in academic biology that they were going to transfect everybody. And I couldn't believe that they were calling them vaccines. Like Bill Gates was on a lighted table explaining transfection, but he was calling it a vaccine. And I, I went bananas. I got into work. And the first thing I said was, did you see Bill Gates on, on PBS NewsHour last night? Holy shit. They are telling people that transfection is immunization. Are you kidding me? And so many of these people that I was talking to, including my boss, were like, what do you, what do you mean? I don't get it. They wouldn't do that. Of course, it's more than transfection. I'm like, no, it's not. They, they, you, can't, you can't possibly imagine that they have some proprietary technology that makes it any better than what we're doing in our lab every day. Come on, guys. And slowly but surely, people just kind of started not saying hi, but just kind of smiling with oh, shit. And before I knew it, the only guy who would talk to me was the IT dude. And at some moment, my boss walked me to the to the elevator and was like asking me, you know, really, you gotta you gotta start getting the sticker on your ID, and you gotta come through the front door, and you gotta wear a mask, and you've gotta stop getting angry at everyone. And I kind of went off on him in front of the elevators, saying that you know we're a we're at a University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. You are not allowed to be ignorant about immunology when I just, blah, blah, blah. I just was going bananas. And he got into the elevator without me. And uh, that night I got the email that said, you should send in or mail in your badge and keys. We don't know. Shit. You were fired. You don't feel comfortable with you coming in and they didn't really fire me. They just don't extend your contract. So they asked me not to come in in October of 2020, and unfortunately for them, they had just renewed my contract in July. So I decided, what, I, you got to pay me until 
July of 2021. So I'm going to teach immunology until then and see what happens. And teach it where online. Yeah. Online. So I was doing it on YouTube for a while, but that didn't go very well. So I went to Twitch and most of my supporters followed me and I still only have like 3000 followers on Twitch, but I have a lot of really, uh, hardcore supporters that have gotten me through this bridge and uh, bridged the gap and uh, made it possible for me to continue long enough until 2022 when Bobby Kennedy called me and asked me to help him with his book. And so then, yeah, things have just been going up and up from there. Let me go back. Um, is Can you explain to us the difference between um, transfection versus immunization? That's sure. I mean, can understand. Sure. The, the, it's a little bit bigger uh, picture explanation, but the, the best way to think about it would be um, immunization as a general, as a general term describes the theoretical intention of, as they've said many times now, teaching your immune system about a pathogen without it necessarily needing to go through the disease state in order to learn how to protect you from it. And we have been led to believe that these, these proteins that float around in our blood called antibodies are our primary defense against any of these, these obligate pathogens called viruses or even against some bacterial infections. And that's really a fundamental uh, inversion of how the immune system works. Um, the immune system is organized around barriers because the idea is to keep the inside stuff free of the outside stuff. And this dates back all the way to the beginning of life when we had to protect ourselves from other RNA and other DNA while we made copies of ourselves. And it comes all the way to now where your immune system should be thought of to be, let's say, it should be thought of to be a little bit more like a, like a tube. So if you put your mouth here like this, and then you divide it into lungs and you divide it into guts, right? Like that. Yep, 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 yep. And then you put your body on the outside like this. Yeah. Then your immune system is essentially oriented from the inside out all along here. See? So all of the machinery, I apologize for the crappy drawing, but all of the machinery of your immune system is organized inside out. It, and it's it like looks a like grip. a profile of a really skinny penis with a ball sack to me. Sorry. Oh, yeah, it is. Sorry. Okay, okay. That's okay. It's, it might but, be it's, but it's not. It's lungs and uh, esophagus. Yeah, lungs over here and your intestines over here, right? Inti okay, okay. Here's your mouth. Okay. So – your body is protecting this blue line and the, the way that that's organized is really, you know, like there's soldiers here and then there's tanks and then there's castles in the back. Right. And so they're defending in one direction outside to inside. You see yep. my point? Yep. Yep. And so what, what's really strange is that when we first, when we were first doing immunization, we're doing immunization under the pretense that we're going to teach the immune system at a barrier. We would scrape the smallpox into your skin. We would drink a small 
uh, inactivated polio virus with a with a sugar cube down into our gut, mm-hmm. where the inoculation is interacting with your immune system from the outside in. When you scratch your skin, you do it from the outside in. When you drink it into your gut, you do it from the outside, which is your gut, in. If okay. you were to inhale a a vaccine, you would do it from the outside in. It's perfect. But, and here's where maybe you're not ready for this truth yet, but in five years, I think it's going to become common knowledge among many doctors that this concept of being able to inject some combination of substances here behind the barrier and teach this immune system how to fight something by putting it here instead of putting it here, which all traditional vaccines put it on the outside and then let the immune system deal with it this way. But now, especially in America, we did this and we've moved it earlier and earlier. We're giving more and more immunizations and more and more combinations of them and all of them, absolutely all of them are intramuscular. So we put it on the inside, the deepest part of the defended territory. If you think about how you play risk, where do you put all your armies? Do you put them in the middle of your continents or do you put them on the borders and there's only one army standing in the middle of North America? That's the way your immune system is organized too. So why in the world if you wanted to teach how the immune, the immune system to defend itself, why would you try to teach it by making it fight from the inside out? And so what we're going to find, I think, in a few years is that what, what this transfection has revealed is, in fact, that even worse, the this shift to intramuscular, inactivated, adjuvanted vaccines has been largely non-effective at doing what they wanted it to do. They produce a little antibody signal, sure. But in in the terms of, are we really giving people immunity or have these diseases become so rare because of all kinds of other things to do with how our society functions, how nutrition helps, how sanitation helps, et cetera. But this is important because if you think about this model of intramuscular injection, Traditionally, what we would put here is protein, and the protein would be a protein from the virus, and then we would put an adjuvant, and the adjuvant is a chemical irritant. Um, Toxicologists would just call it a poison, and the more toxic, the better, because the more toxic it is, the more it alerts your immune system that there's something very bad happening in the middle. And so the idea is, is that if you put these two in close proximity, when the immune system comes to deal with the toxin, it will also necessarily deal with that protein that's sitting there. And hopefully it will make some immunity to that too. The question is, and I think this is the the crux of the vaccine debate, is that if you're given 35 or 40 of these by the time you're 12, is it possible that the repeated exposure to all these adjuvants, never mind the proteins from these different pathogens, can result in things other than your immune system building immunity. And 
we have to be really honest about that. And I think one of the ways to get honest about it is to realize that the fundamental principle here is pretty flawed. And if you think about it, a real working vaccine would inoculate your immune system from the direction that it would normally be attacked and also at the barrier where it would normally be attacked. So if you're going to well, wouldn't it also wouldn't it also actually inoculate so like for instance the uh, measles and uh, chickenpox for example we have plenty of examples uh, you can go to any of the um, left wing uh, newspapers and find them yourself that uh, when when these measles outbreaks happen half the people have been vaccinated um, none of my none of my friends who've gotten their kids vaccinated from chickenpox didn't have chickenpox all of those kids still had chickenpox right and that that that's a an extreme i mean we have to be very honest that this is an extreme incongruity from the model that they present to us and so if the model that they present to us is not making predictions that are validated in the future we've got to call them out on it and the reality is is that the the model of inactivated adjuvanted intramuscular injection to augment the immune system is not making predictions that are coming true in the future. And it's really bad because um, now they've convinced us that transfection is just a better version of this. So I can explain this really quick and I hope it's not too sketchy, but when I'm, I'm going to use a circle for a cell, even though it should, well, I can use a block, I guess. This is an epithelial. This is cool, cell. by the way, Jay. This is really cool. I'm right on. Cool. This is an epithelial cell in your lungs, mm -hmm. and it gets infected by a virus. Mm -hmm. When that happens, there's a whole bunch of stuff that gets supposedly hijacked and manipulated by the viral genome so that this cell is no longer doing what it normally would do. But in your body, so every it's like an Uber and someone jumps in and carjacks it. Yes. Okay. At least okay. that's the story that they tell us. But the important thing to realize is that all the cells in your body are required to display the proteins they're currently making. And they display that on a molecule called MHC, which is multi or uh, multi histocompatibility complex, I believe. Um, I might have the M part wrong. Major, major histocompatibility complex. And there's one and there's two. We don't have to talk about that now, but they're displayed on one. So that means an endothelial cell, just for sake of the, the narrative, let's or the, the metaphor, the endothelial cell is making endothelial proteins, and those endothelial proteins are presented here. And your immune system is regularly checking that this cell is not expressing a cancer protein. Because if it's expressing cancer-related proteins or cell division proteins when it's not supposed to be, the immune system will see those proteins presented here and it will destroy that cell. And that's indeed how cancer is kept in control your whole life. Is that Are cell those NK cells? Is that immune system NK cells, natural killer it's cells? NK cells, but it's also uh, cytotoxic T cells that have learned. T cells and NK Find it okay. as well. Yes. Uh, okay. And that's the first line of defense that no one ever talked about, by the way. No one. I never heard one person, to be honest, besides myself, who ever mentioned NK cells or T cells. I did so much research on them. So that's the first line of defense, but no one even talked about those. Yes. And that's why I meant by inversion. You really okay. want to go there. You have antibodies at the very, very end, right? 
and before that comes B cells, but before that comes T cells, but before that comes dendritic cells, but before that you have natural killer cells fighting. And those are the those are like the the the, the army you were talking about. The, yeah, the scouts, the gunmen, the tank, and they get yeah. activated in sequence. So the yeah. whole idea that they're telling you you only need those is absurd. Right, and especially since they're so effective too. NK cells are crazy effective, right? Yeah, if they're healthy. And so, getting back to this story, okay. if there, if you have this cell and it gets attacked by this virus, things will change in here, and these proteins that are displayed will change. And when they change to a coronavirus RNA-dependent RNA polymerase, for example, then the immune system that's seen an RNA virus infection before will be able to say, hey, you seem to be expressing an RNA-dependent RNA polymerase. You need to be killed. And so that's what's happening in your lungs all day long, your whole life since you were a baby. And so the trick is to realize that since you were a baby, layers and layers of natural killer cells, dendritic cells, instructed T cells and instructed B cells are already present when you're three years old, maybe two, uh, maybe even one year old already. And then they become more and more specific and get more and more, more, more and less and less general. But when you're young, they're already there. But when this happens, there is a signal that the immune system recognizes. That's all you need to see because if you then look at, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and say that um, it's a muscle cell that gets um, transfected. What happens in a muscle cell when the lipid nanoparticle goes in is that the muscle cell reads that DNA, or reads that RNA and because that RNA has been chemically altered, it's not likely to be degraded very fast, but read over and over and over again. And it will make a ton of the same protein, supposedly. This is the best case scenario. And at some point, it will make so many of those proteins that the, the cell itself will have to say, well, I got to put these somewhere. So it will start pushing them out in vesicles to get rid of them. It will just it will just start flushing them out, but it will also be expressing them on the outside. But this, this is happening where? It's not happening where there are natural killer cells, dendritic cells, T cells, and B cells that are regularly patrolling. We're happening in the middle of the continent on the risk board where there's just one, one little army that no one's ever going to touch if you win the game. And so this is a problem because that means that when the immune system gets here, what is it, what is it designed to find in the middle of your body? Well, it's the only thing that should be there is cancer. The only thing that should be there is a very bad misfiring cell. If it's way inside and it's a bad guy, how did that get there? You weren't playing risk very well. Right, so right. this cell will be destroyed with, with a different kind of assumption. And what ends up happening, in, in my humble opinion, this has to be the case because we've seen it happen in mice when you transfect their brain to do experiments that we do. I, I've seen it for years already. And all these people that use these tools in academic biology should done know it, but they've just not really 
stop to think about it. So what happens is your immune system comes in here and it would usually be a cytotoxic T cell or a natural killer cell. And this cell gets destroyed and any of the cells around it that are transfected. But then what do you have? Well, unlike in your lungs where you have all this mucus and cells that are dividing all the time, now you're destroying cells in a place where the cells don't divide a lot, maybe in your ovary or your testes or in your endothelial, the lining of your capillaries that don't turn over very fast. And you've just decided to kill a bunch of those. So the only way to clean that up is to bring a neutrophil in. And neutrophils are not very good at targeting. You know, they, they kind of come in and just and blow everything away. And so if an, a neutrophil comes into your muscle, you're going to be in a lot of pain. If What's neutrophil, a neutrophil? Is that man-made or your body makes that? No, a neutrophil is somewhere in between natural killer cells, dendritic cells. Okay, okay. Like a, a, another one of these guys. It's, 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 it's closer to the uh, – it is part of the innate immune system as opposed to this more acquired immune system part. And these guys will come in and destroy that endothelium but the problem is, is that during that process, there will be dendritic cells there. And if those dendritic cells, while they're trying to clean up this foreign material, the dendritic cells main job is to clean up foreign objects, foreign materials, things that are labeled by antibodies and process them as antigens and then present them to T cells. So if a dendritic cell comes to clean this mess up, it's going to pick up spike protein and anything that it's stuck to and process it and then bring it back to a lymph node and show it to T cells and see if any of the T cells recognize what it's presenting. The trick is, is that in the lungs, when this is occurring, the immune system is oriented toward the epithelium of the lungs and is processing the epithelium of the lungs as a constantly dividing, turning over uh, tissue. It's not the way that it processes your kidney. It's not the way it processes your endothelium. It's not the way that the immune system interacts with your whole body. It's the way your immune system interacts with barriers, mm, mm. defending the lining of your gut. So it's not ever going to process your gut as an antigen because it's turning over all the time. If it does, you are in danger of extreme, extreme bad autoimmunity because once you're once your immune system can't tell the difference between self and non-self and it's targeting something that's very abundant, you're in trouble. Targeting something in your blood, you're in trouble. And so the gist of it is, is the story they told us on TV was that it would stay in your muscle. The truth is, is that it gets into your blood and then the most likely cells that get transfected are where the blood becomes the most narrow and the pressure becomes the highest. And so that's in capillaries. And so now you're transfecting the, the linings of your blood vessels. The blood vessels then start expressing spike protein. And the only solution for that in the immune system is to destroy them. Now, the crazy part is, is that this is something that if you transfect an animal like a, a mouse with an optogenetic protein, which is a, a protein from an algae that we can put in the brain of an animal. And once that protein is expressed in neurons, if we shine blue light on those neurons, 
the neurons will have an influx of sodium and that will cause them to spike. And so this was an invention of a guy by the name of Carl Dyseroth, or at least he's the one who applied it to neuroscience the most elegantly. And it's become ubiquitous, a ubiquitous way to test and to modulate animals. If you can imagine, for example, you put it in a certain little place and then watch the animal do a behavior and then turn on the blue light in their head and see how activating that little group of, of brain regions or even neurons changes that animal's behavior. And that's some, it's some interesting way to probe uh, how, how the brain works. But the trick is, is that when you do that in mice, the experiment requires you to do the experiment, sacrifice the mouse, and anatomically investigate where did I actually transfect? What neurons was I actually recording from? And neurobiologists who do these experiments are aware that if I were to do experiments with my mice for four weeks and then cut the animal up and look for where I had been controlling with the blue light by looking for the, the cells that change color, I will get a good signal. But if I decide that, oh, I want to let my mice live for eight weeks and do eight weeks of behavioral experiments with the blue light, and then I'm going to cut them up and look for the cells that I was controlling, you almost never find them. And also what they see is that their ability to manipulate the animal's behavior after about four weeks starts to drop off. And the reason why is because at some moment, the expression of this foreign protein is detected by the immune system and those neurons are destroyed. Mm. And so if you wait too long, the effect of your manipulation starts to deteriorate. And if you wait too long, you can't see the anatomical correlate of your manipulation in your experiment anymore. So for like 15 years, the entire field of neuroscience that uses mice and rats as their tools has been, has been sort of come to accept the time frame of our experiments, the time frame of publishing papers, the time frame of writing grants. They've never come to the realization that all of these manipulations result in an, in an acute immune response, but because of the way you do it, because you put it in, you do your experiment, you have to cut the animal so that you can see where it went to make sure you're putting it in the same place in each animal. You have missed the signal that if you just waited eight more weeks, that entire brain region would be a lesion. It would be gone. And we actually found this at the University of Pittsburgh, which is really interesting. And, and what, sorry, when you say that it would be gone, that's what autoimmune is. Basically, the body attacks and itself. It, just it says these itself. are foreign. I can't yeah. tell the difference between this and a foreign thing. So I'm mm, just going to mm, get rid of it. Mm. And so that's what should be expected with any. Oh, Nelly. Oh, Nelly. And so hey, what the problem, I want to go back. So go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, but the problem is then what, what is it becomes this twofold is that this is the best case scenario that there that their RNA is very pure, that there are no impurities, and that it goes that the the immune system is able to successfully navigate the treacherous waters of I need to destroy non-dividing tissue 
expressing a foreign protein without accidentally building autoimmunity. And so the real truth is, is that because the T cells pass through your thalamus and because there is this selection process to be sure you, you don't have T cells that recognize self, generating autoimmunity is quite difficult. But the trouble is, is that transfection is nowhere near any realm of natural pathogenic signal. Not even, it's not even like cancer. I mean, cancer doesn't have overexpression of a single protein by hundreds or thousands of fold. Cancer is a very subtle change in the metabolism of a cell. Transfecting a cell with 50 or 100 or 1,000 mRNAs that are chemically altered to be stable for, for weeks and codon optimized to be translated by, by ribosomes as fast as possible results in protein expression at a level that has not been adequately understood. And quite frankly, I would guess, and this is a, this is a pretty, I think it's a really good guess, that, that, that all of the, the transfection that I've ever done has never been pseudouridine chemically altered to not activate the immune system. Never what once. What means in some respects is, is, that, is that by chemically altering the RNA and extending the expression, uh, you have given you have given the window larger for the for the autoimmunity to develop because in the mice, the 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 autoimmunity is generated faster because the RNA itself is already immunogenic because it's not chemically altered. Autoimmunity always means that basically your bot, your own immune system is attack, attacking itself. Yep. And, and, and there are so many diseases that we've become familiar with, which are essentially that. I mean, so, so Jay, they put something in you that's supposed to attack one thing and instead it turns on the body to attack the entire body. They put something in you that was supposed to make a protein that your body would react to rather than the body reacting to the cells that are making the protein. They just thought, um, how can I say this best? Um, hmm. It's a bit like expecting the cops to come over to your house and react to the gun, but not you. Mm, okay. Um, Okay. So if the if if you really if you really think that you can let your kids play with guns and run around outside of your house and not get shot by police ever, I mean it would probably go well, you know, for a while because they're kids and the police are gonna be like, Yeah, but those aren't real guns, or maybe they are, but but at some moment you're playing with fire because you can't expect the cops to come when your neighbors call that your kids are playing with guns and they show up. You can't expect them to have, oh, wait, sorry, you are good guys, but you're just playing with guns. And so the, the, the immune system shows up in your ovaries or in your, in your heart and finds these spike proteins there. You can't expect the, the immune system to come in and remove the spike proteins and leave the heart muscle intact. That's the best analogy I can come up with. It's going to come in. It's going to kill everything. Put the guns in the van. Everybody goes to jail. And in that, in that area, then you lose heart muscle. Heart muscle doesn't replace itself. So three months, four months later, 
after that heart muscle is continually being attacked, eventually you have a heart attack. And nobody connects it to the shots that you've had because the first two shots didn't evoke autoimmunity. You got away with it, but the third one did. And this is what we're going to be seeing. That's what. That's what do you mean? What do you mean? This is what we're. What do you mean? This is what we're going to be seeing. You, you don't think that this thing is played out yet? You don't think this thing's played out? It's done. Oh, I'm sorry, man, but no, it's only just started. I was just at a. I'm not even kidding you. Was at a friend's house playing Risk. Wait, let me ask you one more question. Do you yeah. think it's just begun because they're still um, uh, administering the medications? Or do you think it's still just begun because the people even three years ago who got it still haven't felt the true implications of what they put into their body? Their body's still coping with everything. It. So remember oh, that okay. there was a, there's a paper that came out in Denmark that seems to indicate that at least in Denmark, and so that would mean anywhere where those lots were distributed, there were very hot lots and there were almost placebos. Um, and there are people that are looking at that data in America and finding similar trends. And so there's a couple different variables at play here. Um, it's not sure if it's because of manufacturing and quality control or if it's because of purposeful um, dose differences to dilute what they knew would be blanket um severe side effects if they gave the same dose to everybody. Um, and it's starting to become pretty obvious that either by accident or by intention, the effects in terms of severe reactions and deaths was very different depending on what lot you got. And so there are a lot of people walking around think thinking that, well, I didn't feel anything. That's fine. And other people are damaged and the two think that they got the same therapeutic when in reality they probably didn't. What do you, that went over my head. What do you mean they didn't? You're telling me all of the injections weren't the same? There wasn't like some oh, sort no, of no, 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 no. I'm telling you that Denmark just published a paper where they show one lot or or no, sorry, a one group of lots where there's less than one severe event per one million. And there are 18 different lots that show more than 1000 severe events per million and what's the implication of that what's the cause of that well one lot has poison in it and one lot had nothing in it but how do we know that you can look at the ingredients well, and they basically how else would you explain it if 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 you had a sports drink that you were distributing around the world and some people grew muscles and other people didn't you wouldn't assume that they all had the same sports drink let me push back on that. What if what, what if one lot was given in the city where everyone lived uh, with uh, amongst cars, and one was given in the country where um, there wasn't as much pollution? And I, I don't mean, know how much they controlled for that, but it's Denmark, first of all, so it's kind of a small place. Tiny, and, tiny. Uh, they have this healthcare system that's open, so they use their data from their health. I think this is a very inconvenient truth that Denmark just revealed. Um, uh, Greg's dad. Uh, got the injection, Greg Glassman's dad. And Greg went and looked, and Greg was not a, uh, he was he was pretty chill about the whole injection thing in, um, in general, just vaccines in general, not this particular one. He had serious concerns. But he went and looked up the lot, and, uh, and it was it was like, the, it was the worst, it had the worst track record of all the other injections given throughout the country. And within fucking months of his dad getting it, he just went on a severe one-year decline, which is pretty crazy. And he, and he got like the worst lot in the country. Um, I, mean, I, I, I can't stress enough 
How? Is that a quality control thing, or they did that on purpose? They made different lots, or is that just a quality control thing? Like, oh, oops. Uh, like, my dad used to work in a spice plant, and he said every like sometimes a shoe would drop in the grinder, and like you know there'd be you know in a lot of cumin there'd be a ground up boot. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's it's at this it's, stage for me it's pretty. There's just so much to be gained. Um, so you think that might be nefarious or, or maybe let's, that's too loaded. Uh, intentional. You think it might be intentional that the lots were different. Yeah, I do. I think uh, they, they would have, these are people and uh, very smart people who, who for no other reason than wanting to catch potential contamination, they kept track of the lots. But now if the lots in retrospect, had very, very different severe outcomes, then you have to wonder, I mean, it's very difficult for me to see anything. I mean, know oh, what they're going to say. They're going to say that they couldn't tell us at the time because it was important for everybody to take the shot to stop the pandemic. But that's, that's what my whole my whole life is going to be spent trying to debunk, I guess, or trying to convince everybody that they've been fooled. What's that um, call when you, Oh, two things I saw on the CDC website early on was, um, uh, Greg showed me both of these, um, during a pandemic, you never quarantine the healthy. That was like, there was these guidelines. You never quarantine the healthy. That was straight off the CDC website. And then another thing it says is, um, and, and I read the whole paper on it. You never deploy a vaccine in the middle of a pandemic because that will exacerbate the problems. And they went against both of those as part of their own policy, which was bizarre. And you know what it also says in that paper? That um, uh, all um, quarantines end, uh, end up in riots. And we even th that even played out on the CDC website. Don't, don't deploy vaccine during pandemic. Don't, don't quarantine the healthy. And quarantines end up in riots. And we ended up having the... Um, uh, the the riot around the guy the the meth head um crackhead right. porn porn star gun toter meets cop and um or counterfeiter meets cop and we ended up having riots because of that right it's um kind of bizarre no i mean i i don't see or it not bizarre too perfect to, I yeah to, i have to really tell you um my whole my whole story that i've been trying to explain to people is that um it really started with Kissinger, but but this is a kind of theme throughout human history. We've got to come to terms with the fact that basic society and civilization is governed largely by lies. Um, and that has been true throughout history. And I don't want to necessarily say that Christianity is a lie. What I would like to point out, though, is that in history, the Romans couldn't fight Christianity anymore as a rebel group. So they adopted a version of Christianity as the state religion. And so you should at least question what, what Christianity is in a historical context and look into where it came from because mythologies are used to govern people. You don't, don't, don't deny the fact that anybody that tells the story of Santa Claus and the list of good boys and bad girls um, is not governing their child with a mythology. And this Jay, can I throw this out there, though? Let, let me throw this out there. Just because it's a mythology doesn't mean that it's not a potent um, uh, 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 
guideline or narrative for a successful civilization. Because my thought is, I agree with you, but my thought is, is that we've lost our way and left that, whether you want to call it true or not, a mythology or not, I'm not, I'm not a big believer in it, but I am a big believer in the fact that because we've stopped following it, these heathens or non-believers, which I'm a part of that group, but unfortunately the group I'm a part of is fucking everything up. Like yeah. we should have just been like, okay, let these people do their fucking thing. You know what I mean? Let them like yeah, police I mean, on this like, high ground about. and we'll kind of just be kind of free in this society. That Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, Yes, I, I do. I mean, what okay. you're talking about is, is really what I'm getting at with the enchantment. I mean, okay. You have to, these you other have to people be- have replaced, sorry, one more thing. These other people have replaced the television. And I learned this from you also, by the way, from watching your pieces. I'm not, I'm not preaching to you. I've learned this from you. The other people have, rep- the human brain has to have a place to put something like God. And so whether the story is true or not, these other people have let fucking Don Lemon be their god, and they don't even know it. They say they're atheists, but they're not. They're fucking lying to themselves. The telly has become their fucking god, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Sorry. Okay, yeah, it, uh, to me, it's if you take the Santa Claus example, um, what, what humankind and human culture with language has done, and we are we are storytellers. That's how we communicate, and so many of these stories that Indians, Indian cultures have passed down and indigenous cultures have passed down are stories which are, of course, fantastical, but they are stories which, when told, are capable of conveying large moral messages that make big sense to the people who understand the story. So that's why that's why the the each of these religions that are currently around the world, they have a real story underlying how you come to understand the religion. And it's a story you need to read and, and think about and, and sort of imagine experiencing in order to really get at the, the, the heart of what these religions are offering you. And at least in theory, and what I think Kissinger and a lot of these more modern, modern day rulers of, of, society came to realize is that there is no reason for wars not to be part of these mythologies. There's no reason for um, family values not to be part of these mythologies. And therefore, because they are actually part of these mythologies, we can manipulate those things by making people believe things that aren't true are true. And I think the difference between these mythologies of religions is that they're either so historically distant that believing in those particular people and what they particularly did doesn't really matter. Or the effect of that is that, that you, that you think in a very abstract way about a religious story, whereas what they've replaced that with are stories about the here and now like the dangers of gun violence or the dangers of a, of a pathogen, a, a, a pandemic potential virus or the dangers of climate change. And so these are not mythologies that are abstract with the idea of teaching you how to, as a, as a society, lifting everybody up. Let me give you an example. It seems weird to think that, that, 
that Christianity says you should only, maybe I'm just going to say, might think we feel weird to you, that Christianity does argue for sex to be only in marriage. But remember, in the time before television, in the time before, even when we were kids, I can remember very clearly. And we're the, the same age, time, by the way. We're both 51. We're both 51. Yeah. The only time I saw a naked woman was in Playboy. Right. I remember and, that. I never and, saw anyone have sex, Jay, until me. I was the first person I ever saw have sex. That That's my point. Yeah. And and so imagine we go back to, to 1900 when the only thing you would see is a black and white small picture of a lady in underwear. And that would already be like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. And so what we're talking about is a brain that is used to processing two or three instances of naked beauty in almost the entire lifetime. So Christianity is a mythology which deals with that problem by, by, by making it sort of dangerous because again we're talking about you're raising kids there's other people trying to kill you there's a real it's a world where the optimal strategy is to put your faith in your mate put your faith in your tribe and double down and so the mythologies of christianity are kind of around building the family the submission of the wife to the husband blah 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 because a strong family builds a strong tribe, and then you get this successful carrying on of a culture. So now what they've done is they've, over the last, our whole lifetime really, they have been replacing this mythos, which has guided our, our overarching you know, idea of what's good and bad, and replaced it with something quite trivial and very short-sighted. And when we were growing up as kids, we thought of, of senators as people who were Boy Scouts all the way to Eagle, right, and then right, they were right, a right. teacher, and then they were a cop, and then they did all kinds of community yeah, service. Yeah, and then they, they were in the like, military, they were a lawyer, a doctor. Yeah, and yeah they never yeah. lied their whole life. Yes, yes. And now kids grow up thinking that, well, I watch my mom and dad lie to the neighbors, and yeah. I know that my mom and dad know that the people on TV are lying. And so the people that run the country are lying. And yeah, so they yeah. grow up in a world that is completely, completely different than ours, where lying would have been something you almost felt bad about doing. And only very few people could do. Now it's actually a skill. And if you can do it well enough, you can actually fake it till you make it. So we're really in trouble because we have hey that that's a real place too los angeles really is that place if you talk to people who, who are born and raised there or people who travel there it's a line is just an accepted way of life there they don't even judge you can just say anything it's just all lying the, the, well, the i would go so far as to say that that culture because of the amount of power that's available at the at the the levers of power in the united states government that factions of the intelligence community factions of the bureaucracy have been lying to each other and to the american public and to congress about dangers like pandemic potential viruses 
for decades so that eventually this mythology could be used to and I, uh, to control demolition America, to make us think that, wow, our, our government is so bad and we did all this bad stuff and the whole world hates us now and it's all our fault. Sort of true, but it is people inside of our own government that have been doing it to us and we have the chance to wake up and take it back still because we haven't opened the constitution and changed anything yet. Nothing is permanent yet, but we're, we're, we're really close to it being over because there, there is a real, real whole cake of, of lies that, that the TV watching public is unaware of. And if we don't, if it doesn't start to leak out and slowly slowly transform people to pre-2020 skepticism instead of post-2020 conformity, um, our children are going to grow up thinking that adults don't know what's going on. That was one the of the worst things the, about The conformity oh. from our kids is crazy, right? Yeah, I can't believe college kids, have, college kids just seem like such pussies now. I cannot oh. believe... Um, uh, when I travel around uh, California or my town, the, the majority of people, the only two people I see wearing masks are um, uh, college age kids, like 18 Absolutely. to 25. And actually not more so than old people. Absolutely, like, man. What are they doing? Absolutely. I trip when I see that. I'm sorry, but I really, I think it's our fault because not enough of us when the universities and the CDC were kind of just saying, yeah, we're going to require the shots to come back to campus. There weren't any people in, in significant positions that had the principles to say no. And I Jordan mean, I Pe well, look at Jordan Peterson. That's why he's got this cult following following of young men because he stood up and explained something. Yo, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, no one can force me to, to, to say something out of my mouth. Yeah, right? but Jordan Peterson actually advocated for us to, to ask questions in six months. And Jordan Peterson also said, let's take the shot and get this over with, even though I'm not interested. Really? He, he, really? Yeah, I can play the video right now. I have it queued up. He, he said that there's this radical theory that totalitarianism um, uses infectious disease to control people. And so maybe we should spend lots and lots of money, get rid of infectious disease, and then we'll get rid of totalitarianism forever. He is a monkey, dude. He, do, do, do you think he's woken up though? Do you think he, since then he's woken up? Hey, Rogan was matter. a monkey. Really, it doesn't, really do, it doesn't it matter. Doesn't matter. If you put on a, a Nazi uniform in 1939 and took it off in 1944, you can't be a leader. You can't. And he was not able. Whoa, hold on, hold on, Jay. So, but don't we need? Isn't that the way it's going to be? We're going to wake them up one by one. Isn't that? Isn't that the way? Is it? Is but he it, has not apologized. He has uh, not admitted uh, that I he did not step forward. Can you really He's play that video? To have been one really of play... the first people to step up. Can you really play that video? I've got it right here. I'm happy to do it. I'd love to see it. Uh, Dale King, um, uh, who's been a guest on the show. I hung out with uh, uh, Jay Cooey at the BSI events. I thought he was uh, a skateboarder. Wow, was I way off. 
Yeah, I don't even know if I don't think I think Jay I don't even know if Jay skates at all. But he has a friend. No, who's a I don't know why would, he would have thought that only because of Rodney. Well, that I I would have thought that too. Anyone who hangs out with Rodney that doesn't skateboard, you got to wonder what the fuck's going on. Yeah, right. That's the whole reason why. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So, oh shit. My response to this is to suspend judgment for six months. For six months from now. Fearing as I do the loss of civil liberties and being wary as I am about what it means for how we're going to handle infectious disease in the future. Um, where, you know, I'm wearing the masks when I'm required to. So that's the best I can do with that. I have no particular insight with regards to this pandemic. It affected me and my family in the same way it affects everyone else. It throws us into psychological disarray in, in all the same ways and brings up all the same moral questions. And I wish I had a better answer, but I don't. So I make the argument, Savan, I make the argument that he doesn't have a better answer because he doesn't have principles when you needed them. And there were lots, there were lots of these people who didn't have principles, including him. And he had, a, a following of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of young people that would have taken the year off and stayed home from college if he would have just said that, but he didn't. Listen, here's why I'm having trouble accepting what you're saying. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Okay. Because not with this particular situation, with the pandemic, I was, I was on my game, but just prior to the pandemic, I kind of had some awakening. And let me give you an example um, you 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 were on a, a podcast with a, a, a guy named Randy Bach or Randy Block. Uh, yes, Randy Bach, mm -hmm. a physician, PhD, author. In incredible uh, conversation you guys had. And he said that people followed the problem with science is um, people follow scientists and not the science. And that's an important distinction. You guys talk about that in the podcast. I was one of those people. I was following science and not the scientists. Like so, I would accept what what don't we don't we all deserve the opportunity to wake up can't he be can't he have just like it, it's sort of his awakening i mean he's fucking canadian um he's canadian for god's sake i mean they're pro they're predispositioned and programmed in that country already to be sheep so what i'm the argument that i'm making is a little bit more severe than that um, okay so first of all let's Let's just let it play out because he says a couple more damning things here. Okay. I mean, I've got the vaccine. What'd he say? A partial answer on my part. He got the but vaccine. I understand the position of those who don't want to take it. And I would be unwilling to compel them by force. That's Listen. for sure. Because that's not the right approach. Listen. I would be unwilling. People to get the damn vaccine and get, let's get the hell over this. That's, but I did that. I put my body on the line to do it. That's my decision. Yeah. I'm not saying it's right. That's, so that's, not really, that, that's, that's pretty weak if you say I'm not willing to compel anybody, but in the next sentence you say, but let's get this done with. It's really yeah, weak. It's really, really weak. And the thing that I need you to maybe... Yeah, that line sucks. That He did say, though, in his defense, that I'm not willing to, or I don't think people should have to take it. But, yeah. but you're right. That is really weak what he okay, said. Now listen, it gets much worse. I understand the position of those who don't want to take it. And I would be 
unwilling to compel them by force, that's for sure, because that's not the right approach. Although I would encourage people to get the damn vaccine and get let's get the hell over this. That's but I did that. I put my body on the line to do it. That's my decision. I'm not saying worse. it's right. It's what I decided to do. Um, Contradiction coming. A little word fuckery. Give yourself a break. Of course, you have moral qualms, and and you should, and so should all of us. But, you know, I guess I would close that by saying, but let's not forget we did a pretty damn good job of dealing with this so far. I mean, it looks like a mess on the ground, but it could have been a hell of a lot worse, and I'm really amazed that it wasn't. So wait a minute. I thought that Jordan Peterson had no special insight into the pandemic, but... He's sure that it could have been a hell of a lot worse had we not done what we've already done, which was locked down like China. Don't give this man credit for being outspoken. This is the end of 2020. He is not, not, not one okay. of the Okay, let me let me let me say one more thing to you, Jay. Let me let me say one more thing to you. Okay. This this one's gonna hit a little home. I thought about this before and I wasn't gonna bring this up on the show, but here we go. Coming at you full steam. Okay, ready? Good. Okay. I Incredibly articulate on the he, him, he, she, she, they, they, us, Zeus, Zeus, Zeus thing. Um, but, but not clearly not thinking clearly and not being able to do the math on the pandemic. Not realizing that, hey, how come everyone on the boat didn't die? How come only smokers were dying in China? Like, like I don't know what you know, but I knew right away it was fake because I couldn't find anyone healthy who had died. I never – I started looking up NK cells and listening to 12-year-olds talk to me about it on YouTube. I'm like, whoa, NK cells can kill cancer. They sure as fuck could kill this fucking bitch. Okay, so he didn't – So, but but you, you were buddies with uh, uh, Mr. Kennedy who thinks – who speaks completely articulately on injections. He knows the math. He'll be like, well, look at only 131 people died of measles. And if you do 3 million injections, obviously more people are going to get hurt from the, and he can do all the math and it's all clear. But the second it comes up about affirmative action or race, he starts getting into wishy-washy land. It's a very complex issue. We're very caring people. We want a solution that makes everyone. And it's like, yo, motherfucker, but I forgive, but can't we, you have, right. You see that he's not going to be perfect everywhere. Right. I do. Like, like, well, he can't make you see, obviously, though, like, like our brains are, it's like, it's like arguing, me. I would, I refuse to kill anyone. But if you look at my kids sideways, I'll fucking stomp your brains I out. I have this tension and conflict of, 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 of values in me. And so I don't know. Well, what I want, what I'm, I'm proposing is something I don't want to kick him out of the camp. And I feel like you're trying to kick him out of the camp. <laughs> I'm trying to kick all of them out of a camp because they're not a camp. Okay. That's what I'm trying to point out. Okay, so help me. Help what me. I'm suggesting to you is that we are being governed by a very complex web of lies that is curated by people that were selected before the pandemic. Because this is not something that's so they're knowing. You mean they even knew they were selected? They don't need to know yeah. what they're doing. They only need to know what they're not supposed to say. And right now there is a faith that's out there, which is that there was a novel virus for which everyone was was vulnerable. We had to take emergency measures, and some of those emergency measures worked really well, including the mRNA, and the virus may come again because gain-of-function research and coronaviruses are a never-ending threat in the future horizon. This is the faith that none of these people, Jordan Peterson, Brett Weinstein, Joe Rogan, 
uh, Shapiro, you name any of them, none of them will question the existence of a novel virus. None of them will question the possibility that we were all vulnerable. None of them will question the sanctity of antibodies. None of them will question RNA in principle or vaccination in principle. It has to work eventually. Maybe we rushed it. And they definitely won't doubt the danger in the future. Did anyone ever see the they're governing us with Did that lie? Uh, uh, Jay, that was a question I had early on. I wanted to see this thing. Did any? Did we ever isolate COVID nineteen? Has anyone ever seen it? They purport to have. Yes, that's can, a, the can, only way to answer that. Is that can I go online and look at it? Can I go? Can I go online and look at it? You can go and look at a couple papers that have electron micrographs of the of the clone or of the original, maybe, maybe. But it won't look like a new thing. It'll just look like all the other pictures. It will be very hazy and not impressive. Um, Let because again, I can't stress enough the entire the entire literature that supports pandemic potential in coronaviruses is just it's just a bunch of PCR reactions done on bat poop and conflated to represent some potential of. 1.7 million viruses waiting to zoonotically jump every year. And you get billions of dollars into secret budgets if you sell that story. You get billions of, of dollars that you can spend on other things. Um, and, and it's all about governing us with this. So don't, I think, but people really, if you haven't been thinking like this your whole life, which I have, if you weren't awakened by by giant steel concrete towers falling like tissue paper, then maybe this is kind of a surprise that that we are being fooled by magicians and liars. But I was always there. I was always arguing that that you people have to realize that it isn't like that. Um, you can't, for example, load a truck with with nitrogen fertilizer and ammonia park it outside of a building and blow up only that building. It's not how explosions work, but in the Oklahoma city bombing, they loaded a truck with fertilizer soaked in ammonia and it blew up one building on one side of the street, but nothing on the other side of the street. Wow. Wow. Hey, um, I, I want to um, uh, ask you a question because we've been on for 90 minutes and I don't want to forget about this question. I watched two two uh, podcasts of yours, and I'm it was I'm so glad I watched both of them. Already, you, you were guests on these podcasts, so there's 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 um, there's two things I want to bring up. One, you explain this idea of the difference. The ver this is a versus thing. A lot of virus and a few bad ideas killed the majority of people. So a lot of virus would be the coronavirus killed a lot of people. And then a few more people were killed by bad ideas like um, bad medications or um, quarantines or but the majority of people who died were from the virus versus a lot of bad ideas and a little virus. And that's sort of the camp that you're in. And, and we'll get even into more detail on that in one second. But will you sort of explain that to me that like basically our reaction to this novel virus 
caused most of the damage. That's the camp you're in. Cause I'm in that camp too, by far. The, the fact you, that 29 pounds was get, gained on average of every human being in the United States yep. means that the implica health implications and the hours of life that are going to be lost from the reaction to this are going to surpass any amount of uh virus. But how, how did you. So let me just have someone else explain it for me. Um, okay. Okay. Like remdesivir, I've had guests on who said remdesivir has killed people that they know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I will tell you that's the way you should think about it is that that if we had done nothing and they had told nobody that there was a novel virus, we would have had no excess deaths of any kind. But their argument is that the hospitals would have overfilled. That's always that's their argument. Not, but that's not true. I mean, we know right, that's okay. not true okay. now because we know that the hospitals that were supposedly overflowing were also empty. So, right. Like, like I took my wife to Stanford and there wasn't one patient there in the largest hospital I've ever seen in the world. So, I took her there for a so, surgery and there wasn't one patient there. Not one. Recall the, recall the big message. The big message from GigaOM Biological and Jonathan Cooey is that you have to come to terms with the fact that we have been governed by elaborate mythologies. And most of what we think is, you know, the, 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 uh, imminent threats to our, our society and to our culture are imminent threats that have been wholly created out of cloth by our government. And now I want you to listen to a well-respected neuroscientist who works for the army, who works on emerging technologies to make super soldiers, explain how you would use a annoying but non-transmittable neurotoxin to create a pandemic and destroy your enemy's country. Listen very carefully. This is from a lecture in 2017. You're approaching best guest I've ever had on the show, by the way. What I want is high morbidity. I want people to complain. So what do I do? I go to Des Moines. Ladies and gentlemen and people on the screen, I have nothing against Des Moines. I lived there for four years. I go to Des Moines. I infect a couple of sentinel cases in Des Moines. I go to Seattle. I infect a couple of cases there. I go to North Carolina. I go to Wisconsin. What I'm doing is I'm using a dispersion methodology to be able to infect sentinel cases with a highly morbid condition. These individuals complain. Again, this is a central nervous system condition. So they're complaining of whatever the bug may do. It'll produce some cascade of neurological and neuropsychiatric signs and symptoms. And then what I do, the real bug that I use is the internet. I take attribution for that. Yes, I'm a terrorist group. And I have done this by infecting with a highly lethal agent. And the first signs and symptoms of lethality are X, Y, and Z. These people are really sick with this. But then I say others who are also infected will show subdromal, predromal signs of lethality. And what that will be is anxiety, sleeplessness, agitation. What I've now done is I've got every individual who is diagnostically hypochondriacal and I've got every individual who's the worried well flooding the public health system, banging on the door. The CDC comes back and says, nonsense, that's not real. I come back and say, that's fake news. And, as a and so what I'm suggesting here is that similar to this scenario, Stampede. If, if you wanted to, for example, take and get every person in America to accept the idea that you're, you're, you should do what you're told. You should have an ID that we can track you with. You're going to need a vaccine passport to travel internationally. 
and eventually we would like you to accept a digital ID or maybe even a chip under your skin, one of the best things to do would create this illusion, this mythology of a never-ending never, never threat that can change, but more importantly, that is almost inaccessible to you. You can't look in the mirror and see if you've got it. You can't, you can't do anything. You have to rely on their technology, their products, and their best word in order to understand how this thing is affecting you and your loved ones. And now what you need to see is that all of this has, in my mind, has been carefully curated for quite some time because that's the goal. That's what Noam Chomsky told us that. Um, why is that not working? He really told us that. Um, why won't this go? It's like not- I wish I, I wish I okay. could do what you do. How do you do? How are you doing all this? Oh, it's just uh, it's just PowerPoint. Um, but what you have to remember is that Noam Chomsky told us the truth. The smart way to keep people passive and obedient is to strictly limit the spectrum of acceptable opinion, but allow very lively debate within that spectrum, and even encourage critical and dissenting views. I would argue that everybody on this screen is part of that show and they will never question the things that they're not allowed to question. Most of these people don't talk about remdesivir, but they'll talk about ivermectin until they're blue in the face. They will talk about hydrochloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, but they won't talk about the complete inversion of the use of antibiotics for any pneumonia to almost no pneumonias. And that inversion is conveniently left out of all of these smart people's story about what happened. Brett Weinstein doesn't say that. Sam Harris doesn't say it. Jordan Peterson. Oh, Sam Harris it. is a tool. Same with Ryan Holiday and Sam Harris. They were. But tools. look at this picture, Savan. Uh, this is a picture of them having dinner together in 2018 when the intellectual dark web was established. It's Jordan Peterson. It's Eric Weinstein. It's Shapiro. I don't remember that guy's name. It's Rogan and it's Harris. This is a constructed group of podcasters that have stuck to the narrative and now conveniently three years later have come to the conclusion that something didn't happen that was supposed to happen. It's an act, man. We've got to realize that the only people we can trust. You're telling, well, how, okay, okay, okay. Hold on a second. Hold on. How 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 do they how do they if if you're saying it's a conscious act? How, I it doesn't can, have to be a conscious act if okay. somebody calls you and says, Savan, your podcast is going to go through the roof as long as you don't question the existence of a novel virus for the first year. Okay, you say whatever you want, don't say you're doubting the existence of a novel virus ever, and we will take care of you. Okay, I have no doubt that this happened. Let, let, let me let me let me go let me t- once again I only know myself so I, I can't but if all the stuff that people said about Fauci was true let's say Fauci doesn't know what happened okay good that makes me feel better you said because here's what I Fauci here's what I, I go to. how would he ever person, Fauci is a person who has been doing whatever the other people on the other side of the table have asked him to do for 38 years okay. without question because if he was as nefarious as what people thought, no he would way. never be able to he would never be able to go to sleep at night. He would have killed himself already, right? I mean, can anyone live with the kind of pre- that I mean the pressure that's put 
No, I mean, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. He's not, it's not him. It's not him. Okay. Let, let me, let me, I want to go back to one more thing before I want to pull out a little bit. And, and thank you, by the way. I keep looking at the fighters in the ring and trying to pick fighters who are going to win. And you're like, Sevy, keep looking outside the ring. Keep looking outside the ring. And I appreciate you doing that to me. Okay. Hold on a second. Let me go back a second. And these other pod, how are you on time? I'm yours. Go ahead. On this, on this other podcast, you say this thing that basically a virus, once it replicates, that ri- viruses aren't like, um, if we threw t- throw 10 mice in a room with a bag of dog food, we'll come back and there'll be 6 million mice in, 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 in a year. That they'll just fuck the shit out of each other and eat and party yep. and, and there'll be mice everywhere. Yep. But if we throw um, a, a virus in a room with a bag of dog food that it loves, it will only replicate five times and then just fizz, fizzle out. Yep. They don't fuck like mice. That's the reason why they're so hard to work with and why usually most virology papers start with a DNA source copy from which they can keep generating RNA for as much as they need for each experiment. That's how you share viruses between labs. You send a DNA copy of an RNA virus and then they generate fresh RNA from that and start their experiments there. The trick is, is that when you go out in the wild and try to collect this infectious RNA, you can barely grow enough to sequence it. So there's no way that you could go and pick one that just magically happens to make perfect copies of itself for four years and and infect hundreds of millions of people. It's just impossible. And so, the implica- not the implication, the fact is that in order to study viruses, you have to clone them. We can, you can't just be, hey, Sevy, go to the mouse room and bring me 10 new mice. You can't say, oh, hey, Sevy, uh, we need some, some more viruses. Savan, be careful. Some viruses may work that way. I am not I am not willing yet to throw all of virology out. I'm willing to believe that maybe there are viruses in plants, viruses that we we have a good culture model for that that is kind of what you would think of as the more cartoon biology of a virus. But with respect to coronavirus, there is absolutely no primary literature evidence of pandemic potential other than their own mythologies because they haven't shown it. And there is no evidence from the world that that's happening now with the exception of their PCR test and their, their, closed database of sequences that for all we know are our sequences that they've been collecting from monitoring these for decades. And think of it this way, Savan, if, if we could imagine a world where everybody in America was kind of unaware that they had a cell phone, but then we told people that there's a new dangerous thing out there and you might not even know you have it. You need to be tested for it. And so they start looking in people's pockets and they go, Whoa, look, you've got one. Oh, I didn't even know I had it. I never, I, wow, that's crazy. That surprises me. And then they told you on TV that this is evidence that we're going to need to lock everybody down because something is spreading. When in reality, nothing is spreading. They're identifying a background signal that you had no idea was there. And they're identifying it with a proprietary set of of products that they've pushed through without regulatory concern and without quality control onto you to justify 
the existence of this new spreading pathogen. And how would we know? There's no data from pre-2020 about the prevalence of any coronavirus. None. And that's and that's and that's where Jordan Peterson says let's suspend judgment for six months. But I will also say this: Sam Harris did call out Joe Rogan, and this would made me like dislike Sam Harris because Sam Joe Rogan was saying basically said something like, "Hey, I wouldn't get the injection, or if I was young, I wouldn't get the injection." Sam, Sam Harris Sam- is one of the worst of all of them. Sam Harris was yeah, on Brett Weinstein's eighth podcast on December nineteenth. 2019 you hear that date yeah december 19th 2019 is brett's eighth podcast and at the end of that podcast suddenly out of nowhere sam goes into this tirade about how like militant muslims anti-vaxxers are going to be intolerable should there be a real deadly pandemic and then he goes on to wax about how we we can tolerate these we can tolerate these muslims until they start blowing shit up then we need to get rid of them well if there's a real pandemic this anti-vaxxer movement will be people we cannot tolerate anymore and brett agrees with him on december 2009 how convenient is that it's at the very end of the podcast. It's the last conversation they have where Sam is trying to talk about how we should get rid of all the crazy Muslims because they're crazy and all religious people are crazy. And then he says, and anti-vaxxers are crazy. And Brett agrees with it. Oh, wow. There it is. Okay. I'll, 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 I'm definitely going to go to the end of that and give that a, a, a peep at some time. Here it is. Hey, um, so... The implication is that it it wasn't a lab leak and it wasn't a bat. The implication is is that a virus like this has to be cloned in order to and and, then, and so so let's say you clone it a thousand times and so you take a thousand off and you drop it in Des Moines, you take a thousand off and you drop it in New York City, you take a thousand off, you drop it in San Diego, you take a thousand, you drop it in Moscow. But basically. And, and then we get to the thing that and it, it basically doesn't matter. It just kills the, the very first SARS, um, according to the data that I saw on one of your podcasts, was um, 8,000 people got it before the, the va- before the virus kind of dissipated into nothing, and only 800 people died. And I'm Correct. guessing they were all old and obese and smokers probably, all yeah. soda pop drinkers. And so what that did is we were all sheep in a field, and these buckets of clone that were dropped off in places around the uh, the the globe. But remember, it, don't even don't even go there, Savan. It only needs to be the three cases that were sequenced: the one in Wuhan, the one in Seattle. What does that mean? Sequenced? I never understand what that means. Well, and why is that relevant? Do, what they did, uh, what they do to find a novel coronavirus is they the story they tell is that they squirt some liquid into the sick person's lung and then suck it back out. Uh-huh. And then they take that liquid and they spread it out into 96 well plates with some some growth medium and cells. And where the the cells die is an indication that there was virus in that well. And then they use PCR to find the RNA that killed the cells in those wells. And supposedly doing that experiment in Wuhan, they got the original Wuhan sequence and supposedly doing that experiment on the Sohomish County man 
in Washington state produced a similar sequence that the CDC then based their PCR tests on. Other than that, none of the other cases were confirmed beyond a PCR, which we all know now is just kind of, you know, whatever. Yeah, bullshit. Basically bullshit. They can find anything in anyone. They can do a PCR test and find a piece of Jesus in me or a piece of Hitler in me. Just keep in mind that that the, the most diabolical way to do it would for them to have identified or even planted a background signal so that when the pandemic was declared, the signal was already in place. It could have been, for example, example, think about this. The first SARS virus infected 8,000 and killed 800. And then what? It disappeared or did it become undetectable? And over the last 20 years spread through the whole world so right. that when we started testing for SARS viruses, wow, they're everywhere. And we all had immunity. And that would go back to um, John Iannotti's study in California where he's like, holy fuck, this has been around forever. Exactly. Now and, you're seeing it. You see? So the, the whole okay. the whole okay. seeding of it is really – it doesn't require much if the background signal is hot enough. Or, or, or they couldn't have even, they could have thought of it in, in 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 hindsight. They could have been like, "Fuck, what's what's been spread already?" By the way, those of you who don't know John Iannotti's, uh, look him up. Uh, most uh, cited living scientist in the world, most revered. Doesn't yeah, speak he stuck any, his head up a few times and got 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 hit pretty hard. So re- refuses to do any speaking engagements where they pay him. Only speaks at nonprofits. A, a, a yeah. fucking real class act. And he basically said, hey, this none of this shit makes sense. We did a study. Ajay Bhattacharya um, also involved. These are well, you know what the, the optimistic appraisal of this, though, is that maybe some of these people like Jordan Peterson are good. And if we are able to. I've infected you, them, Jay. I've infected you. But imagine, though, imagine <laughs> that, that Jordan Peterson got a phone call that he doesn't really think about anymore, but could remember if he was reminded and maybe he would come forward and say, holy cow, they did call me. Yeah. And maybe I shouldn't have done that. And holy shit, I'm pissed. Yeah, that would be yeah, great. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic the- just because I feel as though there is a, a, a movement, the, the line of people that understands that something isn't right is, is really expanding quite fast. What a show. What a fucking show! Hey, that I mean, dude. That's what, they did about, that's what they're doing with, 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 with transgender as well. Think about how simple this enchantment is. If they tell you that those old vaccines work, the ones that we're taking now work, and these new ones are even better. I mean, imagine if they just said, "Well, you know, gay is great." 20 years ago it was just gay is great and don't be mean because they're just the way they are. Gay is great. Now it's like we've, we skipped that part. Now that's not even a, a real possibility. Who who's gay? Because now it's like you can be whatever you want and it's totally all right. And your biology doesn't matter. And the way they do it is they trick us into it, accepting a single term like vaccination and being unable to argue about it. They've also made us, call them trans women but when i was growing up that was a that was a that sh- i think and it should be it should be a trans man like if you're a man who becomes a woman then you're a transsexual man you're not a how do you become a transsexual yeah, yeah wow i just call them all trannies 
Hey, here, what do you think about the pedophilia thing? What do you think about the thing that the CDC is now um, given a six pill concoction that makes men produce liquid from their nipples? You haven't seen this? No. Yeah, it's basically is the U.S. government is the U.S. government is now basically pushing pedophilia. Center for Disease Control has offered up a six medication concoction that will cause men to produce um, liquid from their nipples so that they can um, experience breastfeeding. It, I, I have to guess. I, I would love to know. Crazy, right? That's real. I'm not making that up, uh, Jay. That's real. Crazy, right? It's there on the CDC website. I don't know if that's pedophilia so much as just an attack on women. It's like you don't think you don't think forcing a child to suck on a man's nipple is pedophilia. I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna say it is. Because and by force, I mean it's you're the baby if it wants sustenance to stay alive. Once if I put a gun to your head, I'm forcing you to do something. If I tell you, Jay, if you don't ride your bike around the block, they're not gonna make milk, they're not gonna make nutritional milk, are they? That's not That well, that I'm refusing to call it lactating, but they make something. I I think that this is all part of this freaking elaborate Scooby Doo thing. Well, that's what I would like to kind of make sure I summarize before I before I drop this one thing. And I think this thing is the same. It, it's really the same. It's all part of the same story. The way this fifth generation warfare works is that they they make us think like in a Scooby Doo episode that we are pulling the mask off of Tony Fauci and off of Ralph Barrick and off of EcoHealth Alliance. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. we figured it out. They were lying. Yeah. They actually did make it. It is a gain of function virus. They were taking big risks. They were spraying stuff in bat caves. Oh my gosh. And by solving the puzzle over three years, people have become permanently entrapped in this enchantment that there are as a novel virus for which we were all vulnerable, oh. that 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 was a gain-of-function virus, and that's why it was so deadly. And the RNAs worked, but we, if Trump, <laughs> if Trump wouldn't have rushed it, it would have been better, and we'll clean them up, and they'll work better in the next round, and a virus will come again. This is the mythology that they have trapped us in, and they either need to wake up and apologize for it, or we need to acknowledge that they are keeping us in there. Wow. Wow. Let us think that we discovered something, but discovering something only cements. That's the reason why Rand Paul. Who's they? Who's they? Arguing so. Yeah. Who's they? Um, My best guess would be you have to look for weaponized piles of money that have more power than the United States government. So any any sovereign wealth fund that's bigger than ours could potentially be involved. Any private equity firm with billions or trillions of dollars is definitely involved um, because again, you think it's sentient. You think it's sent you. There's this also this idea that it's not actually one sentient being, but it's actually a, a, a interest aligning. I think, I think AI is actually part of this illusion as well. Um, I don't no think no for shit. like 25 years, they have been telling us that AI is eventually going to figure it out. But the, the neuroscientists, that are using AI to study the brain. No, that's not going to happen. Do you know that with all of our computing power, we still can't even simulate one cell? Well, 
so that's interesting. That could be a whole different show. I have a question about that. Uh, um, uh, supercomputers too. So, but I, but I thought you just contradicted yourself. You're saying AI somehow involved, but it's not involved. Oh, meaning it's, the illusion of AI. You're saying you that to, they want you to think that. Yeah. That fake, okay. Fake people and 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 fake videos are so dangerous that you're going to need digital ID to use the internet safely. Uh, That's sure where they're going. Uh, I see what you're saying. So it's not that AI actually, it's just another uh, One nuclear of the bomb, that they HIV, novel One of the virus, climate that they change. Used. Okay, okay. One of the illusions that they used to do this was computer models that showed that millions of people would die, but those computer models made predictions that didn't come true. Right. And we're still using those models. Oh, and, and polar bears have gone from 5,000 to 30,000 when 20 years ago they were supposed to go extinct because of climate change with models. You know that? Polar bears are on the rise. It's, 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 we don't know anything. And so when they are on TV telling us with certainty that we, we know what's going on and we have the solution, you can know that they don't. I mean, this is how they've governed us for so long now that – once you start to see it, it actually becomes frightening because three years ago, uh, we would have complained to anybody using cluster bombs. And now suddenly it's okay to say on PBS NewsHour that we've decided to give cluster bombs to Ukraine. And oh, by the way, we can't make enough munitions for them. They're using them so fast. Yeah. Did you see that? Biden admitted that we're running low on munitions. What's wrong with him? Oh, shit. This episode's been flagged already. <laughs> That's crazy. We didn't even really say anything. Yeah, I did. You got to take it down or you'll get a strike. I just got my strike um, uh, cleared off. Oh, yeah. Like, you'll have to take it down and put it on like Rumble or something because I'm I'm saying that the that the novel virus is in a, is largely an illusion. That's that's not good. Hey, but I so my first strike came because I broke WHO guidelines and YouTube follows WHO guidelines. And the strike was that I said that um, exercise and health um, could, and I no longer believe this, of course, that exercise and diet could be the cure, the best way to prevent um, COVID. That was completely insane that I said that. Wow. You're idiot. nuts. Yeah. But I, but I thought that they've moved away from that. I thought YouTube is, 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 is no, they haven't. I think they move away from it for people that they want to catch on people that have been given the memo. Sure. All right. Um, but uh, what subject did you just bring up? The, 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 I want to have you back and talk about that subject. I want to know. What did we just say? Something about. Uh, we were doing AI for a little while. And, oh, AI. And, okay. AI but, and can't make a single cell. Okay. Yeah, they, can't, they can't model a single cell. Like they, they, they don't have the co computer complexity and they don't have the understanding of how a cell works to even model it yet. I mean, so the idea that they can augment your immune system, which are thousands of autonomous cells that communicate with picomolar concentrations of cytokines and chemokines over the course of your lifetime to learn the difference between outside and in, that we can augment it by squirting some shit in here is ridiculous. And I think that's where Hopefully, over the next couple of years, I'll be able to develop enough of the biology backing that up. But I really think that that's it's not that we're going to say that this vaccine was bad and that vaccine was bad. What we're going to have to come to the conclusion is, is that if you want to usefully augment the immune system, you have to interact with it in the way that it is it is oriented and you have to 
inoculate at a barrier. You would never inoculate inside all of the defenses. And that's what we've been doing for a very long time. So the consequences of that are just untold. And I, I think a small percentage of extremely unlucky people get a child with this extreme autism with the banging the head against the wall and uncontrollable bowels and screaming and crying. It's not every autistic kid that's like that. But if you talk about those kids in particular with isolated autism coming from an acute or very close to uh, an immunization, the only conclusion to come to is that we don't know what we're doing here. And because the brain and the human physiology that carry it around are beyond our comprehension, we have to start we have to start reevaluating our arrogance when it comes to to the the stories that we tell about. You know, next year we're going to. I'll give you a, just a very short story to kind of summarize what I think is this hubris. There's a guy by the name of Robert Malone who has risen as a uh, dissident, and and uh, that's because he was involved in some of the patents that underlie RNA as an uh, immunization. And he's the guy who came out on Brett Weinstein's podcast that got Brett Weinstein demonetized, supposedly. And he tells a story um, of having been a postdoc in laboratories like um, where, where Gallo and Baltimore and a lot of these really early retroviral AIDS people were all having it out in the hallways about what the truth was this and the truth of that and whatever the Nobel Prize was given out for reverse transcriptase. The Nobel Prize for HIV was given. And he was a grad student during that time, having to choose, you know, which mentor to work with. And he tells the story that at that time, I wanted to work on retroviruses because they were saying that within 10 years, and I became convinced that within 10 years, there would be a geneticist at every hospital using retroviruses to cure genetic diseases in children. Now, you can tell that story and you can not see its significance. But for me, I see the significance. The significance is that they have been telling these Theranos-like stories about how very soon mm. the combination of AI and ever-increasing cheapness of making DNA, we're going to figure out how the human genome works and then we're going to make people better. And that we are not any closer to that now than we were when Robert Malone was cutting his teeth in a virology lab where he thought naively in 10 years we'd be using retroviruses to cure everything. Right. Or now 30 years later, and they're still kind of telling the same stories about how if we just had everybody's genetic data and we could have all this data, we would be able to feed it into an AI and it would kick out the answer. And this, they, this story they use to motivate rich people to do things. They use it to tell stories in secret meetings to motivate government people to do things. And they tell stories that motivate the populace to do things. And there are all different layers of this mythology that govern the entire civilization as we know it. And the coronavirus is just the most obvious example of a mythology thrown over everyone with the idea of sort of homogenizing a system of government to be 
based on permissions instead of human rights. That's why the WHO doesn't talk about human rights anymore. They talk about public health. They don't want us to have public health or human rights anymore. They want us to get permission from them to move. Um, along that line of just all those things that are mischaracterized, mis uh, you know, it's called um, uh, abortion is called um, uh, f female health care or female reproductive rights or mutilating kids genitalia is called gender affirmation. It's, it's it, the, the words are the words. It's it's we, disgusting. We, it's really an enchantment that if you use those words to try and argue your way out, you can't get out. You can't accept their vocabulary. That's the way we win. You think I should make this this um, episode private when I get off? And I well, mean, it's on it's streaming live on Rumble right now. Oh, nice. I mean, you don't have to worry about Rumble. I think you only have to worry about YouTube. I've got my I've got some videos on Rumble from all different people. It's not ever been a problem. God, it really pisses me off. I, we haven't said anything. We haven't done anything. We haven't we haven't we haven't done we haven't fucking said anything. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 tricky because again, remember, I I'll say it one more time because I really am. I think this is really true. The tentaments of the faith can't be questioned. You can't question the novelty of the virus. You can't question that we do gain a function research, and this was probably a lab leak. You can't question that RNA when it worked, it worked great. It's just sometimes it didn't work, and you can't question that. Uh, this danger is everlasting. It's going to come again. It's really like almost a weird twist of Christianity. You know, I believe in the virus. I believe in the lockdowns. I believe in the mRNA and I believe it will come again. I mean, it's, it's, it's awful, but that's really how you can see none of the people that I'm accusing of being part of this will question those four tenements. They won't because they're all now pivoting to the idea that RNA is good, but there was some DNA in there or they shouldn't have, they should have made it more pure. It looks like that there was some short, short sequences that shouldn't have been there. The gel is smeared or maybe it's the lipid nanoparticle. We just have a different lipid nanoparticle. And then the, then the whole idea is great. So in theory, they're not questioning it, only the, the details. And that's again, it's constructing a narrative space that as long as you stay in that narrative space, you never question the virus. You never question the idea of transfection that means that when a new virus comes you'll take the new transfection done we're really in trouble i mean people really need to understand that even in the ukraine war is not what they tell it is i don't know what it is but you don't need to go back in history very far to find out that we were meddling in ukraine in 2014 in a very questionable way given what we're doing now well the the, the whole video that the whole entire world saw of Joe Biden saying, hey, we're not going to give you a billion dollars if you don't fire your attorney general. And the attorney general was trying to investigate his oh, son. That had nothing to do with his son. Come on. I mean, come on. I mean, that's it doesn't even even if he's telling the truth, it doesn't matter. It's like you can't do that. Hey, uh, thank you for coming on. You are fucking awesome. This went way better than I thought. Uh, you, what a spectacular human being you are. Thank you for your contribution. Thank you for fighting the good fight. And um, uh, I, I appreciate you understanding if we have to pull this down and just keep we do we do publish straight to Twitter, Rumble and Facebook uh, simultaneously. If you can load me a copy, I'll put it on my website, too. I'd like that. OK, I'll, I'll absolutely do that.
Uh, until until next time, Jay. I hope you had a good time, and uh, I'd love to have you on again. Oh, anytime, dude. Anytime. I'd love to. All right, brother. Have a great day. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Bye. Uh, say hi to Rodney for me. Uh <laughs> Ciao. Whew. Oh, shit. I better call Sousa. What the fuck is going on here? Uh, do I do a, what's Matt Sousa's number? Is he, is he a 925 number? Matt Souza, 925. Oh, there it is. Oh, Nelly. Jeez Louise. What was better, this show or Henrik? Oh, I don't know. Close. Oh. Hey. Hey. Hello? Yeah, hey. Oh, hey. Hey, that show got crazy. I turned it off. <laughs> Uh, you, do I need to make that private? Yeah, I got way too nervous, dude. I like, I just, I couldn't. So, okay. I, yeah, that freaked me out. So, private? Yeah, make it private. Shit. You either caught it live or you didn't catch it at all. Okay. Well, it's, I, it's, I, on, it's, on, it's on Rumble and it's on Twitter. It's so yeah, weird. Yeah, it yeah, seems okay. so normal to me. This conversation. It, it's so weird that it's um. I'm right there with you. That's a hey, censorship is real, dude. Look at the conversation we're having right now. Okay. It's or it's. I mean, it's crazy, right? We can't. You can't even just openly discuss however you feel or theories or you know other stuff or things that there's fucking evidence for. In fear of losing your platform. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying. There's no incitement of violence or anything like that. Right. It's just the goal of trying to stay um, uh, healthy and uh, raise your family. And it saved That's right. So, I don't know. Okay. I just got nervous because we're close to the games, and I think those strikes are totally arbitrary. I think at any point in time, they pull the plug on your shit whenever they feel like it. You know. Do That's I make Do I make me. it private or do I um uh delete I, it? Yeah, if you make it. No, I think if you make make it private, because I don't think that'll. I mean, it's not public, right? So I think that that should solve it. Okay. All right, thanks. I don't dude. know. I don't know enough enough. Okay. Okay. Bye. That'll do it. Bye. Okay. I uh, love you guys. Uh, show at 11 a.m. It's going to be a wild one, I think. Uh, Vellner is going to be on with uh, J.R. and Taylor. Amazing show. And then I will see you guys. I think I have a show. Uh, to, uh, wait. Is that? Oh, do I have a show tonight? Oh, yeah. I have a show tonight. Gonna be. It's going to be awesome. Uh, the guy, uh, um, his name is Sean... Jeez Louise. I just haven't Sean Hibbler. Hibbler? Hibbler. Sean Hibbler. Tonight's show is going to be awesome. Sean Hibbler. A Hibbler Productions. H I B B E L E R. A filmmaker. It's going to be great. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye bye.